want fat babies. And remember, that's the only time that you are supposed to be fat, ne? when you are a baby. <laughs> Right, so the, your milk is not off. All right, please also warn the husbands because they think the milk is off. You must focus on what you have control over. You don't have control over if your baby, how long your baby will be on oxygen. You don't have control over how long your baby will be on IV fluid. You don't have control over the fever of your baby, but you have control over what you can do, and that is your milk supply. Welcome to the Speak Podcast. Today we are joined by Lizelle Payne. Lizelle graduated from the Northwest University in 2002 and thereafter she served as a community dietitian at the Department of Health for 12 years. Her passion for prenatal dietetics, breastfeeding and pediatrics led her to become a certified lactation consultant in 2017. She now has her own private practice and is dedicated to support women and children in their nutritional needs. Lizelle, welcome. Thank you, Leandi. Thank you for having me. So what do you do on a daily basis? Crying babies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is my, my daily to-do. Um, yes, so I think the, my, my main passion is actually just to get the relationship going between the mom and the baby. I think uh, most people will say breastfeeding is the most natural thing but I always say yes it is the most natural thing but it doesn't come naturally so it's a skill that you must learn for me it's like riding a bike it doesn't mean if you have a bike you can ride it it's it's something that you must learn to do so that's the same with breastfeeding or breastfeeding is like parenthood as well it's never easy but we do it why is it so highly recommended for a mother to do breastfeeding there's so many advantages for the mom and the, and the baby. If we look at the mom, it definitely helps with the bonding. But the, remember, dad can also bond. So it's not only bonding can not only be done with breastfeeding, but it also helps with the nutritional um, growth of the baby. We have see, I've seen it many times in, in my practice as well. If you have toddlers that were breastfeeding, you only see them if they need stitches. But babies or toddlers that receive formula milk, we see them every day for runny nose, for pneumonia, for any other types of things and our breastfeeding babies are happy babies mm. happy children so it's, it's actually good for the health of the mum as well especially for breast cancer it lowers the risk for breast cancer it lowers the risk for ovarian cancer actually what we have seen research showed that mums with autoimmune diseases lupus ms diabetes insulin resistance those kind of diseases actually um, go into sleep when it comes to breastfeeding so those type, types of moms don't get flare-ups as well so that's mm. good and then for the babies I think the media media have told us everything why it's so good for the baby so I think the only two things that breast milk cannot do is make coffee and put cost on so <laughs> I think for the rest it can do everything that we needed to do it's pretty good something I recently learned about was something called the golden hour after birth What is the golden hour and would a lactation consultant be able to see a mother during this time? The golden hour, it's actually that first hour after the baby's been born. That is the time where we actually want that baby to be on the breast as soon as possible. But we know that theory and practice don't always come together. So we try to to put the baby on the breast as soon as it's medically possible. Because you do get 
situations where the baby will need a little bit of oxygen first and where the baby's not stable, then it's not possible to put that baby on the breast in the first hour, especially if you have premature babies, you know, the, maybe the baby in, needs to be intubated or whatever the case may be. So we try as soon as the baby is stable. So for a full-term baby where there's no complications, it's possible to do, the, do it within the first hour. And yes, the lactation consultants can be present there. So what I normally do is if it's a um, C-section, the mom can normally communicate with me beforehand. And then the moment when she's ready and she's stable, then we put the baby on the breast. So the, the goal will always be the first hour, but in practice, it doesn't always allow us the first hour. So why in the first hour? Is it just that bonding that you said? Definitely. And remember when that baby comes out, he's hungry. Right, So we need him to feed as soon as possible because within the, the pregnancy period, that 38 weeks or 39 weeks, that baby is actually dependent on his mom for food. And now we take the baby out. So that baby needs to feed as soon as possible so that the sugar levels do not drop and so that the baby can do that bonding with the mom as soon as possible. And another thing I learned about was that there are stages of milk production. What does that mean? Because I thought breast milk is breast milk and apparently there's like colostrum and then it's mature milk and traditional milk. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Leandi, the first three days we get colostrum. So it's more of a, of a golden color. So that is also why we talk about the golden hour because the milk, that milk in the first three days we call the colostrum. Now it's very yellowish and it's very sticky and it's in small amounts. Okay, but it doesn't mean it's in small amounts. It can do a lot for us. It can do a lot for us. And the yellow color comes from the fat content and the protein content. So it can keep the baby quite full for longer. So it is if you eat a steak with some veggies, it will keep you satisfied for longer. So that is what the colostrum is also doing for us. And it's like the first immunization for the baby. It's very high in vitamin A. So we need that nutrients for the baby to kickstart them for the first few days. If you look at the new um, studies that came out, they actually are changing the way we think about colostrum. So it's not really food per se, it's more there for nurturing. It's more there for a survival mechanism to keep this baby going. And then from day three, day four, we get your transition milk. So the transition milk, it's more like a baby lightish kind of yellowish color. And you get your mums where it will be colostrum yellow and then the next day it will be white like snow. That also happens and that's also normal. So then from day three, day four, the, we talk about it as your milk come in. Right. And then it's totally important 101 because then the breasts are very full, very um, sensitive. And then the moms are quite worried because what is happening now? And then they think that is mastitis. It's not mastitis. It's just that the milk is coming in your baby and your body knows what to do. That is your mature milk, all right, or your milk milk, breast milk as we know it. But your breast milk contains then two parts. The first part is the four milk. That is like the watery part that the baby, baby is getting. It's like when you are drinking rehydrating water. It's the same thing. And that is the part of the breast milk that helps the babies to, to rehydrate them. And that is the reason why most babies that get breast milk do not really dehydrate and they don't really get diarrhea. And it's because of that part of the, of the breast milk. That is also the part of the breast milk that they drink when they are very thirsty. So when they see heat wave, keep up because that is when they are drinking the four milk most of the times so then the the feet can be a little bit shorter as well because they only want the full milk and then the second part is your hind milk now that is the food 
bad. But the secret is the baby must drink through the foremilk to get to the hindmilk. And that is why we also teach moms, try not to feed your baby on the clock. Like 20 years ago, they said 10 minutes on the one breast, 10 minutes on the other breast to take the baby off. But we don't do that anymore because that ratio of foremilk and hindmilk will differ with every feed. So we don't know how much foremilk and hindmilk is in, in this meal you can say and that is why we want to feed the baby on demand and let the baby show us when he's ready to sleep or when he's um, satisfied why is it so important for your baby to latch properly yeah honey if a baby does not latch properly they use the wrong muscles to suck on the breast and it's quite hard work to Breastfeed for a baby, they use about 66 muscles and 23 nerves to really breastfeed correctly. So it's quite hard work. And if they do that incorrectly, it can create a lot of problems. I explain it to the moms. It's like if I expect you to walk on your hands, it's, it's the, your hands were not developed to walk on. It's the same with the wrong latch. If the baby latched shallowly, they use their lips to suck on the breast. And that is like drinking from a straw if you drink milkshake you know after 20 minutes you're also tired you are not going to order a second one and that is the same with with a shallow latch so they start to suck with their lips and they teach their muscles to to suck incorrectly and that can create problems for the mom that is where the horror stories come from that she was bleeding the baby didn't gain weight the baby had a lot of gas there was a lot of wind and that comes from the latch especially if the baby does not latch properly as well it has an influence on the supply of the mom because the baby is not stimulating the breast correctly so that mom will definitely have a low supply so if it comes to low supply painful nipples baby's not gaining weight baby's not settling off the feeds it can definitely be the latch because breastfeeding is not supposed to be painful remember it's not supposed to be painful so can you elaborate on the specific nutrients that is present in breast milk and why is it so essential for their growth and well-being especially if you look at babies that are in neonatal intensive care i think if we talk about vitamins and minerals breast milk contains everything that we need everything that we can think of it's in breast milk if we think about babies in neonatal ICU specifically those mums will always produce more milk and that breast milk will contain a much higher fat content than with a baby that is a full-term baby that is how the mom's body compensates for the baby that is in ICU I've seen it so many times even if it's not a premature baby and the baby's in ICU for something else that moms produce a lot of milk they can feed the whole town I think even the whole country because they have so much milk but it, it's a survival mechanism from the mom's body side to teach her body or herself make a lot of milk because this baby needs extra. So those um, babies get a lot of fat, protein and a lot of carbohydrates as well because we want fat babies. And remember, that's the only time that you are supposed to be fat, Ness, when you're a baby. <laughs> so you just mentioned that the mom knows what the baby needs. So is it true that if a baby's sick, the mom's milk changes to provide the antibodies to fight off the illness of their child. Absolutely. And that is also the reason why we cannot compare breast milk with breast milk, if you, if you talk about it in light terms, because the moms will ask me, can you, why can you not test my milk? And then I will tell her, but how can I test your milk? I cannot even test it against your own milk from yesterday, because the composition changes with every feed. 
And that is so wonderful because you also don't eat the same thing every day the whole time. So the breast milk actually changes in, in taste and in smell accordingly to the baby's needs. So if that baby, say for instance, have a little bit of uh, lower magnesium stores, then the mom's breast milk will contain more magnesium. So that is how in tune the mom and the baby is with each other. And that is also the reason why I tell my mom, I cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without you. You are the human incubator. If you are not here, then all else will fail, definitely. Something that I've always wondered about If you adopt a child and you really want to breastfeed, is it possible for you to stimulate those milk glands or do you have to have certain hormones present in order to breastfeed an adopted baby? Yeah, to breastfeed an adopted baby is also definitely possible okay so it just shows you when it comes to breastfeeding everything anything is possible yes um that mom can breastfeed but we start with a lot of stimulation and also hormone therapy before actually before she gets the baby for the first time so we also then focus a lot on skin to skin contact another word for that is kmc or kangaroo mother care because we have seen if there's skin to skin contact with the mom and the baby that bonding can start and that contact sent a message to the mom's brain to say yes a baby make milk right and the more we do the simulation and we do a little bit of hormone therapy it's definitely possible that's amazing so for mothers with infants in the NICU are there any special considerations you need to take or adjustments you need to make in order to make sure that their breastfeeding routine and diet is optimal for their baby Yes, definitely. Um, The first thing that I normally tell the moms are you must focus on what you have control over. You don't have control over if your baby, how long your baby will be on oxygen. You don't have control over how long your baby will be on IV fluid. You don't have control over the fever of your baby. But you have control over what you can do, and that is your milk supply. So to keep up the milk supply, it's definitely very, very important for this mom to take in a lot of fluids. Because when you make milk, you lose fluid as well. So she must drink a lot of fluids, at least two liters of water every day. There's a lot of hocus pocus potions on the market but the best way to do this is go back to basics drink a lot of water and then definitely sleep as well i teach the moms the three pillars when it comes to what you have control over so the first one is definitely your fluids and your diet so eat a lot of meals so when you're pregnant you don't have to eat for two but you must eat twice as healthy but when you have a baby when you are breastfeeding you can eat for two because you have two bodies that you must feed So your diet is definitely important. Fluids are definitely important. Sleep, please. The moms must sleep. And remember, sleep is not something that you can eat. It's something that you do. So I teach the moms in NICU as well. When your baby sleep, please go and sleep as well. Or if you want to do skin-to-skin contact in ICU, you can sleep with your baby on on your breast. And if you do KMC, the baby can sleep on you. And that is the best way for the moms to sleep as well. And then definitely a little bit of exercise. All right, These moms only see the inside of an ICU unit 24 hours a day. So I also advise the moms get out get some sunlight get some exercise it's the best for mental health as well because these moms tend to get depressed and it's also because they don't see sunlight they only see the fluorescent lights and tubes and oxygen how does a NICU mom's 
diet differ from somebody who has a full-term healthy baby? We focus a little bit more on protein. Um, it's just to, to maintain her muscle mass. So there's a lot of shakes that the moms will ask me about as well. And there's so many products on the market. So I tell the moms, if you like to drink a shake with protein, and that's fine. It's not going to be the end of the world. But the most important thing when it comes to having a baby in NICU and it comes to your diet is to have a balanced diet. So we don't only want one nutrient more than the other one fluids like i said and definitely a healthy balanced diet are there certain foods that can impact your milk quality and quantity unfortunately not <laughs> so you can eat anything you can actually we we have seen there's some foods that can create a little bit of discomfort or gas in the babies so that will normally be like your your gas forming uh, veggies like your broccoli your onions and your beans and your cabbage right and also most of your other veggies you can eat so with your fruit we have seen that apples and peas can sometimes give a little bit of discomfort and then also fluids that contain a lot of sugar so your juices your um, sodas and oh, the moms love to drink the energy or the power right the energy drinks but they create a little bit of havoc because they are very concentrated in sugar even if they drink the sugar-free wine and that is what we don't want because it really upset the tummy of the baby so we want to go back to basics again most health professionals will tell the mom eat very bland bland means only salt and pepper you know you don't do do a lot of effort with your food but that's a little bit boring you know you want to eat as well you want to to enjoy it as well so Back to basics, drink your fluids, eat your poikikos, eat your, your pork choppers and your veggies, that's fine. But we are just going to do the ones that can create a little bit of havoc we do in moderation. Can you discuss the recommended duration for exclusive breastfeeding? And when do you start introducing complementary food to the baby's diets? Okay, firstly, what is exclusive breastfeeding? Exclusive breastfeeding is when we give breast milk only. So it means we are not giving water in between. We are not going to give formula in between. We don't give anything else. So for exclusive breastfeeding, the World Health Organization advise for at least six months. So there's many other organizations that also support that statement. That is like the American Academy for Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, and then also in Australia, the Pediatric Association as well. So all of these associations and bodies actually support exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life. The reason for that is because the, the organs of the baby is only fully, really fully developed by six months. So for the first six months, the, the body of the baby can actually only tolerate milk. That is why we only start with solids from six months as well. So for the first six months, exclusive breastfeeding. But if you want to continue breastfeeding, you can do it up to two years. Okay. What is a common misconception about breastfeeding that you encounter? And how can mothers be better informed about the realities and the benefits of breastfeeding? The biggest myth, I think, is when the mom comes in that first time when the baby is born and she sees the small amounts of colostrum and then she will tell me she doesn't have milk. Because according to Facebook, she will have a lot of milk. And I'm like, no... Facebook have never been breastfed, so Facebook will not know. So the moms are under the impression 
if your baby is born immediately you will have streams of milk it doesn't work that way a breastfeeding is also a process like pregnancy so that first two or three days it will be small quantities it's normal that is all that the baby needs so you you will only really see much more volumes only from day three so keep in mind day one till day three it will be small amounts is there anything that a mother can do in preparation for breastfeeding i mean when you're pregnant, you get the baby's room ready and you buy a car seats. But what can you do to ensure that you are prepared for this journey of breastfeeding? Yeah, and unfortunately, your body knows how to do this. So you don't have to prepare anything at all. Your body is doing the preparation for you. Um, there's a lot of myths out as well of, you know, you must put some lotions and potions and everything on the breasts. I had moms that will tell me that they will use a toothbrush to strengthen um, the skin of the nipple. We don't do anything of that. Okay, You just trust your body. Okay, If your body can actually grow a baby, it can definitely make breast milk as well. That's good to know. And then how do you avoid your nipples getting cracked or um, getting engorged milk ducts? You book a consultation with your lactation consultant. <laughs> <laughs> Little prompt in there. Uh, yes. we'll, we'll put her contact details in the information <laughs> below. With the holidays approaching, can you still drink alcohol and breastfeed your baby? Yes, you can. But the, the message from the media is actually no alcohol and breastfeeding. So that's actually the best way to go. So if you can avoid the alcohol, definitely. Right? But if you really feel you have to have that sip of wine, it can be done. But really like small amounts. Research showed 100 moles is maximum. And then we normally advise on rather alcohol that can break down quite fast. So that will be like your wine, like a, like a light red and like whiskey as well. Definitely not your, your alcohol that contains a lot of um, carbonated soda, like your spritzes. Not at all and definitely not beer. Okay. And please, not every day. And milk stout? Yes, milk stout is it's actually a myth, but there's a lot of African cultures that believe if you drink milk stout, it will give you a lot of milk. It gives you a lot of milk, yes, because it makes you relax because there's alcohol in, but it, it's creating a lot of havoc with our babies. They cry a lot. They have a lot of gas, a lot of discomfort, and that alcohol actually in the milk stout is not good for your baby. So milk stout is not advisable when you're breastfeeding your baby. Now for mothers returning to work, what strategies could you recommend for them to actually continue breastfeeding and how do they store the breast milk? I advise the mothers to start with expressing your breast milk when you are still on uh, maternity leave so that you don't leave it for the week or two weeks before you must go back to work because it put a lot of pressure on the moms. And by that time, the baby's volumes are quite high. So then the moms are quite stressed to get that volumes expressed. So I advise them to start here by week 9, 10, 11-ish. And then to start to express their breast milk after a feed, if the baby allows them. And then they can build their stock slowly so that they are not under pressure. And then definitely to try to express at least once a day at work as well to get the supply going. 
they can store their breast milk in breast milk storage bags there's a reason why we advise on the storage bags beside and the reason for that is because of the the certain plastic that they use so the plastic is a different type of plastic we call it the nampak plastic and it's a different type of plastic because pathogens and germs cannot really grow on that plastic or in that plastic and then also the breast milk bags are designed in a way to make it more comfortable to use it for breast milk. If you look at the way the, the bags are sealed, it's definitely different and more precise than Ziploc bags, definitely on the sides. So that is to prevent, if you open the bag, that the bag does not tear and all your milk flow into the drain because then the, that mom will run away. Because it's very hard work to express breast milk. So we want to preserve and to freeze every drop that we can, can get. So that is why we normally advise the mums to store it in the breast milk bags. And then also the best way to, to freeze it are actually on top of each other because then you can get more bags into your freezer. That's the other thing. And then we want to use the milk that you have started with first. So it's that first in, first out method. So that's why it's so important to write your date of um, the expression date on this bag. And that is the bag that you start with if you want to use it. Keep in mind, if you take the bag out and you defrost it, please don't defrost it in a microwave because the microwaves destroy the nutrition in the breast milk. So we defrost it in the fridge or at room temperature. Then it will look like it's as if it's a little bit soury. It can make like a layer on top of the milk if you thaw it. That's quite normal. Right, that's a, the lip paste that can actually do it. But be aware, if you open the bag, it's going to, to um, smell like sunlight liquid. Okay, that's normal. That is also the lip paste in the milk that give that sunlight liquid kind of um, smell. The moment when you heat it up again and you swirl the milk a little bit, then that smell goes away. All right, so the, your milk is not off. All right, please also warn the husbands because they think the milk is off, but it's not that. It is just because of the lip paste. That is the fat. That is the fat in the breast milk. If the baby really is a little bit more finicky about the frozen breast milk, some babies don't like it so much. Others couldn't care less. Um, if your baby uh, likes to a little bit more, is a little bit more finicky about the milk or refuse the, the the breast milk if it was frozen, what you can do is before you freeze it, you can just heat up your milk a little bit in the boiling water, cool it down, and then you can freeze it. That will also help. Is just because it changed the, the composition of the lipase a little bit, and that is where the smell comes from. Is there anyone who should not breastfeed? Most moms can breastfeed. The only indications or conditions where we actually advise the moms not to breastfeed is definitely if the mom is getting chemotherapy because the chemo is actually poisonous for the babies and it gets transferred to the baby in breast milk. And then also where the baby is at risk for neglect. So where you have a mom that has severe psychosis, severe um, schizophrenia where she's not on medication, it's not controlled, then we don't advise the mom to breastfeed because then you have the risk of the mom neglecting the baby or not really looking after the baby but in other cases the moms can breastfeed luckily now with all the um, the technology moms with HIV can also breastfeed their babies then what advice do you have for mothers who may be facing challenges with breastfeeding and what resources or support systems are available to help them 
you put your lactation consultant on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think to start with is to get in contact with the lactation consultant even when you are pregnant, right? Because then you can start to build a relationship with your lactation consultant. Now, most of your gynecologists, pediatricians, all of them have contact details of lactation consultants. If you're still struggling to get a hold of one, you can go to South African, the certified lactation consultants. There you will find contact numbers of lactation consultants in your area. And then start to build a relationship with her because she's going to be the one that's going to be there and she's going to be part of the breastfeeding journey. And for me, that is so special because especially during COVID, I was actually one of the first people that was allowed to see this baby. We grandparents, families were not allowed to see the baby. So for me, that was quite special. Then if your baby stops breastfeeding and you have this whole supply of breast milk in your freezer... Is there anything you can do with it? Do you donate it to a breast milk bank? Can you bathe your baby in it? Do you have some tips for us? Yes, you can definitely use breast milk for a lot of other reasons as well. You can use it for your own baby. So you can bathe your baby in your bre- in the breast milk. It's like a milk bath. It's, that is very effective, especially if your baby has a very difficult day or they are teething and they are not feeling so well then you can bath your baby in the breast milk it calms them down you can even make cream with your breast milk so you can take aqua cream and you can mix some of your breast milk with it and put it on the baby's skin even if your baby is having nappy rash you can put the breast milk in a spray bottle spray it on the bum it really helps for the for the nappy rash if you have a little girl and they are tend to have UTIs or vaginal infections you can also so use a spray bottle and spray it on the private parts of the little girl. That helps a lot. Dry lips actually works with that as well. And then also if your baby or your toddlers are having a sore throat, runny nose, earache, you can use it for that as well. So you drip a few drops in the ears or in the nose. That works very well. And then if you have like, for instance, when you have an older toddler that complains of a sore throat, they can drink the breast milk as well. Even if it was frozen, it's fine. They can drink that. And then lastly, also when your baby is starting with food, solids from six months, you can mix the food with the breast milk because then they they know the smell, they know the taste, and then they are actually good eaters. But we have seen it with our breast milk babies. They are our happy eaters. And then if you want to donate your breast milk as well, definitely that can be done. The moms can just contact SIBR or they can contact Milk Matters as well. So how long can you actually freeze your milk for? For about six months. Then is there something that you can say to yourself when breastfeeding, when it gets hard and you want to give up? We give up on the good day. We don't give up on a bad day. So because most of the moms, if they gave up, I asked them, what would you have done differently? And all of them, nine out of ten, will tell me, I wish I tried it for one more week. So when it's going well, I ask the moms, so do you want to give up? No. That is what they will say. So just get through the bad days. There's more good days than bad days. Good. So we focused on the baby and breastfeeding, but you also have a special interest in prenatal dietetics. Do you have any stories that you can tell us of things that you've seen? I think the worst actually during pregnancy is hyperemesis or that good old pregnancy nausea. That is really one of the worst symptoms that moms or women can experience. And 
I always tell my my um, pregnant women as well, remember, hyperemesis or nausea, is, the treatment is not a one-size-fits-all. There's definitely one thing that will work for one woman and then something else for someone else. I mean, I have se- severe cases where I had a mom that had such a severe hyperemesis that we actually had to give food intravenously because she couldn't keep anything in. We've tried everything in the book. We actually thought out of the box for so many weeks and that started to help a little bit more. So the basic things when it comes to being nauseous during pregnancy, the worst thing that you can do is to have an empty stomach because the moment when you are hungry, you will be nauseous. And if you're nauseous and hungry, those two don't mix. They are like oil and water. So try to eat small amounts during the day. So you can definitely, while you're pregnant, you can eat the whole day. That's fine. But small amounts, small sips. And what we have seen that works very well is the temperature of the food and the drinks makes a huge difference. So as cold as possible, like for your drinks, definitely that works very well. Ice cubes and also to rather have your food as leftovers than to eat them while they are hot and fresh and then small amounts that definitely makes a huge difference and then try to avoid foods where the taste of the foods are quite strong so we don't really want very spicy foods so we try to spice your food with only salt and pepper parsley those kind of spices is it possible for someone to book a virtual call with you or do you prefer seeing patients in person? When it comes to breastfeeding, there's some of the things we can do with a virtual consultation. But most of the times I like to do it in person because there's so many things to consider that you cannot see while you're doing a virtual consultation. But say, for instance, the mom is really far away and she cannot come to a lactation consultant we really try to help them virtually but we also try to get them in contact with the nearest lactation consultant Lizelle thank you so much for joining us today it was so insightful and so fun to chat with you I will link all of your information down in our show notes and then also keep an eye out on our Instagram for more information If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share your story with us by tagging us on Instagram or by sending us a DM.